Well, here we are, back with episode 54, and if you don't know where we are, of course, this is the All Access USL podcast. Got a nice little uh, pre-Christmas episode for you guys, something a little special. Um, and another, This we'll go, we'll go two for two here. We'll go one Christmas surprise and another, not this episode, unfortunately, but next episode, I promise the situation will be fixed. There will be a mic. There will be no more talk about the mic. Oh my gosh. It's it's going to be the end of an era, guys. It's unbelievable um, the journey we've come through of not having it. But when it is back, it is going to be beautiful. Um, and it will just... The, the episodes will elevate so much. I'm genuinely excited to have this issue fixed with the port and all that. So there you go. Episode 55 will be an even more special episode um for that matter and for today's episode obviously we have had a bit of a break and that is one of the whole points of not having a set schedule um i did pre-announce this episode because i knew it would be out um and i think we're getting onto a, into a track where i can start at least doing that or can start um to do that um just so there is an advance notice on when episodes will come out so that'll be nice. And then sooner or later, uh, once things get figured out and we get into a good groove, um, Noah will be back soon. That will be a lot of fun. And then we will have a set schedule for episodes. But right now, during this part of the season, it will just be when episodes are ready, especially because a lot of things are going on at once. I want to make sure I get as much into every episode as possible um, and make sure that episodes are actually good and not just rushed and filled with content that I haven't had time to look over or think through, stuff like that. So, and that will be, once the transfer window, because now we're into the, like, beginning-ish middle of it, where teams are going strong every other day um, on making signings, once we get out of that period is when we'll start to hit our groove. But, and that will be your sooner as or like sooner than you know pretty much is what i was trying to get out um so it could even start in the next week or two where we have a set schedule of when we want episodes to come out so look out for that and then for this episode in particular i was thinking of how i wanted to go about it i didn't think it was necessarily appropriate to do um, to be going over teams who have had the best transfer windows or teams who have had not so great transfer windows and ranking those and doing all that kind of stuff right now, um, especially with what else has been going on in the league. So we're going to talk about a lot of the other things that have been going on, a lot of the um, – some of it on the not soccer side of things – and then next episode, we'll be going through pretty much all the team's transfer windows, picking out the transfers that I like the most, some that I think might be a little bit of a miss, all that good stuff. That will be for next episode. That will be for episode 55. But for today, like I said, I'm sure plenty of you know, plenty of you who listen, particularly know what has been going on with the U.S. Open Cup, so we will hit on that. But the one thing that I want to open with that has been a bit of a struggle for me 
to get over has been um, the departure of RGV as a USL championship team. RGV have been around since at least 2019. I'm a bit shoddy on when they joined the league, but I know I've seen them since then because that's about when I picked up um, watching the USL championship. And we've come a long way since 2019, uh, specifically of having um, feeder clubs. And when I talk when I'm talking about feeder clubs, I'm talking about clubs such as Loudoun United. Many of you might remember had a partnership with DC United, and DC United would pretty much just send down their players to Loud United, and that's about all Loud United really was. We saw that with, we had the Bethlehem Steel, who then turned into Philadelphia Union 2. Um, we, of course, had Atlanta United 2. We had LA Galaxy 2. We had quite a few teams, even um, back into 2021. So, you know, us the league straying away from that is definitely huge. And Loudoun United and RGV were kind of the uh, leftovers, if you may. And it seemed like it was going to be difficult for um, RGV, now that they were independent, because they had officially split from Houston, um, for the most part, at least. I think there were still a couple ties there. Um, You know, you still had Tyler Derrick there and all that good stuff. You still had some Houston Dynamo remnants, but they weren't necessarily a um like a second team for the Houston Dynamo now that they play in MLS Next Pro. And then of course Loudoun United um you know they they have gained their independence, I guess is a good way to put it, from DC United. And they have actually built a pretty successful model just in year one of how they want to move the club forward. Um, which is definitely something we can talk about in a, in probably in the next episode as well, based off their transfers that they've made. But just to keep it brief for Loudoun United, they have made these steps in becoming an independent club because it's a really unique situation going from a club that was purely designed to be available for another team and just to supply these youngsters with minutes, even if they were garbage minutes, pretty much because they were getting dragged every game, then turning into um, a more professionally oriented team with, you know, aspirations of actually making the playoffs. I'm, and I'm not saying that they didn't have aspirations, but it's hard to say that they really took the league seriously, especially on DC United's um, viewpoint of that they were just giving players, young players, minutes, no matter what. So going back to RGV, they really struggled with that um, component of, you know, like de-attaching or detaching from the Houston Dynamo setup and becoming their own entity. Um, And I think a lot of that was due to a lack of commitment, specifically from the owners. Um, We know Wilmer Cabrera was present. We obviously know all the players were present. This was their opportunity now to not only make a name for themselves, but put RGV on the map. And, you know, we can pull. I was so fortunate enough to talk with uh, Chuy Enriquez 
uh, of Monterey Bay about his time with RGV. And he said that, you know, coming into an environment where it's players coming down and those players get priority, um, especially in the playing time, and then you move away from that, now these players really feel like this club is their own. And then within a year or two of that being so, they get it stripped away. And it's it's really disappointing because every team in this league, no matter how um, sparse the support has been, there is always diehard support. You know, we've seen it with the Oklahoma City Energy. They went on hiatus. They're they're seemingly on um, indefinite hiatus, which is really unfortunate. I believe they had plans to return this year at some point. Those are pushed back. I am not too sure if it's now plans to return in 2024 or 2025. I know that they laid off a lot of staff as well, which is very unfortunate that they had to head into or that they were kind of forced into this area. I know it's primarily because uh, Taft Stadium is being um, just kind of fixed up, repaired, all that good stuff that comes with stadium sharing especially with a high school um and a or a public venue at the very least i should say so and we, we've seen it with the san diego oil and they had a huge following definitely i know a lot of us can agree that they have more support more of a following than rgv did um and that's also because you know san diego's huge rgv the rio grande valley um while it is still a very big um and densely populated area not so much as San Diego. So for RGV moving forward, obviously there's not much because they're seizing all operations. Pretty much no remnants will be left of the club, which is, again, it's it's disappointing that we have reached this point where um, it seems like clubs are folding at a rapid rate again. And I saw someone say, you know, that, you know, is the USL sustainable heading into the future um now that mls has these plans to kind of create this second and third division or make mls next pro the third division and create this um middle second division i would say absolutely i do not see a world where mls can successfully um create that second division um and challenge the usl because the usl has been established for so long now and even though we have um these clubs still folding the last three i will say have not been by any fault of any anybody within the league you know san diego they kind of got pushed out by mls that happens it's a big market it was very very upsetting but it happened rgv the owners just weren't there if they want to pull out they want to pull out. We have plenty of owners within this league who know um, the rewards that there are with actually um, putting out a good team and investing in the club and investing in the fans. And apparently RGV's uh, owners just didn't see that, which is, again, fine. And then St. Louis, of course, St. Louis also uh, joined the league. And then we have Fresno and Reno dropped. That was unfortunate, but that's that's because of COVID, you know. There's all of these reasons other than just like the league not doing well. The league is doing great. Moving forward, we have Rhode Island, who will be 
joining in 2024. We've got Milwaukee, who have had to push back, but it still looks bright for them. We've got Iowa, and of course we've got Jacksonville. Jacksonville will kind of have to um, battle with Jacksonville Armada in MLS Next Pro, but I don't think it'll be that much of a battle. Um, Sporting Jacks will be a lot more competitive, especially just the USL environment. It will be. I think they will garner the more support. And while um, Jacksonville's MLS Next Pro team will still be there, and I still encourage support for them, um, I, I think Sporting Jacks will get a majority of the um, support purely based off of how the USL is built and how MLS Next Pro is built. So going forward, the USL is in great hands. Um, and that moves me into the U.S. Open Cup. Um, this was a very, again, disappointing thing to read in that the MLS can really wanted to disregard the Open Cup as a competition. And I don't think they necessarily understand how, you know, soccer culture is created. Because, you know, MLS comes into this with an attitude of like, we play too many games. Well, it's too many games that you guys set up for yourself with Leaks Cup and all this good stuff that you guys have to play that you guys decided to make. And of course, they are required to participate in all um, U.S. sanctioned competitions I, in which they are eligible for, which includes the U.S. Open Cup. And so them backing out is a massive cop-out um, because they're creating their own obligations and then being like, well, we did, we created too many, so let's back out of something mandatory. That's not how it works. And then you have um, MLS fans coming in and saying, well, it doesn't really matter um, because, you know, now a USL team will get the opportunity to win the US Open Cup, all stuff. They'll get a CONCACAF Champions League spot. And while that would have been nice, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the US Open Cup, which is for these um, NISA teams, these uh, USL Championship teams, League One, League Two, all this good stuff. For these teams to get an opportunity to play um, MLS teams, to play the higher division teams, even for like NISA, USL League Two teams, to play USL Championship teams, stuff like that. That is what the cup is for. This is how soccer culture is built. I mean, if there's anything to compare it to, obviously you're going to compare it to the FA Cup, where it is a massively um, taken serious. It's or the competition is massively taken serious over there. We still have a long ways to go here in terms of making it competitive for all the lower division teams. But people forget we saw the Sacramento Republic in the U.S. Open Cup final just in 2022. They took it to sport. They took it to so many MLS teams. They couldn't get it done in the final, but that is just a testament that USL championship USL championship teams can get it done. Will continue to get it done, and will only grow into the competition more. And MLS is just backing out because I don't think they're scared, but I think you know, especially for a league like MLS where the revenue, because the revenue is there for USL championship teams. It's always going to be there, whether they travel or not. Um, the revenue will likely be there for MLS teams. It's kind of pennies on the dollar that they're making, and they're not too um, thrilled about that, which I understand, but it's part of the business. It's part of being um, a sanctioned uh, Division One league. 
So they're going to have to deal with it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm pretty excited that they were forced back into it. I will have to say um, it keeps the integrity of the competition. And to anybody who thinks that MLS should be exempt from the Open Cup, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Please. There are. I will listen to anybody about anything soccer-related, but if you think that MLS should be exempt from this because of, you know, um, fixture congestion or any of that bullshit, just just get out of here. Um, it, it'll be it'll be fun um, to see USL championship teams continue to own uh, MLS teams in 2024. That is one of the many joys I take away from the USL championship season. And then also talking about um, MLS, the MLS Super Draft uh, most recently passed by, and we saw a... Um, a Sacramento Republic defender, Alder Sanchez, taken. Alder Sanchez played 25 games in 2023, 2023 for the Sacramento Republic. Man, you would think after all these episodes, I'd be able to get words out um, correctly, but it appears not. Um, so Sanchez, a left back, appears 25 times in 2023 for the Sacramento Republic. Of course, Sacramento went on to top the Western Conference, um, and they got dumped off got dumped early on in the playoffs, of course, which is disappointing. But that is besides the point. Alder Sanchez gets selected by DC United in the MLS Super Draft, and that is one of the things I wanted to touch on in that. If the USL wants to get away from these um, rumors of, you know, like, oh, also, there's, I'm sure some people have heard that, MLS could buy USL, not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. They would never do that. But going into that point a little bit, if the USL wants to get away from those kinds of rumors that MLS might buy them or whatever, um, having players selected in the Super Draft who could further a club like Alder Sanchez could have with the Sacramento Republic, they kind of need to step away from that because I know he was coming out of college. I know this was one of his first professional seasons, and I know there's a bit of um, great area in terms of eligibility coming out of college and how that pertains to the Super Draft. But I would, it, I, I would think that he might stay with the Sacramento Republic because, of course, D.C. United are in a different league. D.C. United have his rights for MLS, but he could stay with the Sacramento Republic could sign with DC United, um, of course. We did see uh, one of the transfers I will go into today. We did see Jackson Lee out of West Virginia. Snub, LAFC, cool plane going by. Um, and sign with Rhode Island to back up Coke Vegas, uh, which is brilliant. That's something that we like to see. I was planning on making something for the Super Draft, but I wasn't too sure how to go about it. Um, but this is prime period for college players who sh- shined in college, who shown in college, to get that opportunity with um, the USL championship or in the USL championship, there are opportunities in MLS, but I think if they want a more realistic opportunity um, of playing time and growing um, and actually having longevity in their career, uh, the USL championship is where it out is where it's at because a lot of 
you know, you have these outliers like Duncan McGuire, Kyle Lahren, a lot of Orlando City players. You have, you know, like Max Arston, who's doing well with the Columbus Crew. There are stories in that MLS, but I think there's a lot more opportunities here um, in the USL Championship. So hopefully going forward, um, while it is a good opportunity and it is still advancement for the league, I think there's more advancement having players not selected for the Super Draft out of the USL um, than there is. I think it's time for a quick break. And we're back. So, in 2024, I'm sure, as many of you know, we have two clubs uh, joining, or one of them, I should say, rejoining us in the USL Championship. Those two teams are, of course, North Carolina FC. They are the side uh, rejoining us. They are jumping back up from USL League One. And Rhode Island are joining us for their inaugural season. So, first off, for conference realignment, for whoever has not um, seen the announcement, we, of course, have Memphis 901 moving to the Western Conference um, and FC Tulsa moving to the Western Conference. And that keeps North Carolina FC and Rhode Island FC in the Eastern Conference. So moving forward, uh, we'll talk a little bit here. I don't know exactly. Obviously, Jacksonville will be in the um, Eastern Conference um, for Iowa and for Milwaukee. That leaves a bit of discrepancy. I'm not too sure where they would go. They're both um, west of Memphis, um, I believe. Milwaukee lines up very close with Memphis, if I'm not too mistaken. Iowa, not as much. But that still leaves a bit of wiggle room of where they go. It makes sense to put them both in the Western Conference. I wouldn't be necessarily surprised if we see another team um, from USL League One or League Two or just come out of the blue, uh, have an opportunity and take the chance and um, pushing themselves up to the USL Championship here soon. But that is one of the points. Um, The main point is that now that we have a bit of um, an idea of what North Carolina and what Rhode Island are looking to do in 2024, how they're building their teams, let's take a little look. Let's see if we can find out, if we can predict how well they're going to do based off just how they've done so far in the window, based off how the Eastern Conference is shaking up. Rhode Island are taking a very methodical approach to building this roster. So for them and for North Carolina FC, we'll go through some of their signings. Rhode Island will go through every signing because their squad is still pretty thin. For North Carolina FC, um, we'll go through um, what they've done so far. I just realized I contradicted myself earlier. So I'm saying not talking about transfers, but of course, transfers is one of the whole things that comes with being a new club. So whatever, you know, sue me. Um, um, Rhode Island. So for Rhode Island, um, we of course have Jackson Lee and Koke Vegas in that um, goalkeeping department. Makes a lot of sense. Koke Vegas will be the day one starter, and then they clearly see Jackson Lee for the future coming out of West Virginia. Koke Vegas, of course, spent all of his USL championship time with the San Diego Loyal. Leaves after 
um, they fold, and then we've got Grant Stoneman in the same um, department, I should say, as Koke Vegas, coming in from San Diego Loyal. Very good pickup there. Mark Ibarra, I think, went a bit under the radar. Uh, he joins from the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, of course, having a great year, topping the Eastern Conference. Again, not what you would want in the playoffs, but Ibarra comes in, has that um, playoff mindset, has that champion mindset, um, knows what it takes to get through the 34-32 games that are going to be played this year. So that is one of the biggest pickups I think they could have gotten is luring him away um, from Pittsburgh. Of course, you have Connor McGlynn, who jumps ship from Hartford Athletic um, and leaves for another New England club in Rhode Island. Joe Brito, coming up from USL League One, will be interested to see how he does. Um, not too familiar on his game. Was able to watch a little bit, but, you know, uh, I think I think it could work out based off of how Rhode Island have been building their squad so far. We, of course, have Prince Sadie, J.J. Williams, Mark Doyle, Amos Shapiro-Thompson, and Gabriel Alves. We've talked about all of them before. So go for Rhode Island, I think they are really going for a mix of youth, clearly youth, and clearly um, experienced players, and also players who deserve a shot, specifically up in the England area. They're hitting all of the key points that you would want from a new club. They're diving into the local players, um, even if it is just a state or still a state over or two, um, and Shapiro Thompson and Connor McGlynn uh, and all that good stuff. And, you know, getting Jackson Lee from West Virginia is a big pickup. They're also going for young proven players in the league, like J.J. Williams and Connor McGlynn. They've gone overseas for one. They've gotten Mark Doyle. I think that was a smart pickup. You don't want um, – I don't think you would want all USL players. You want to go out. You want to get a couple um, foreign players – um, just for a little bit of diversity in the squad, um, I think you get it gets a little bit monotonous, and it's kind of just it, it doesn't really necessarily work out if you just had a squad full of these USL players who either were on the fringes at other teams or who maybe wanted out um, and were looking for another opportunity. But I think they made the right call here with Mark Doyle. I like what they're doing. So. With that being said, in Rhode Island's case, I am not necessarily sure what to expect from them. Their squad is very thin. But to me, with how the rest of the Eastern Conference is shaping up, I would put them in and around um, mid. Like, they're, they're fighting for the playoffs. I don't know if they get there necessarily, but early out of the gate, Right here, right now, I think they are a fringe playoff contender purely based on how they're building their squad and who they have in as manager, of course, Connor Smith. That is a great pickup. Um, very excited to see how he does in his first um, coaching job or first head coaching job, I should say, with Rhode Island. So based off of this build so far from Rhode Island, that's what I expect from them. Of course, it could get a lot better from here. Um, which I think there is there is definitely room for it to get better. But, um, you know, it, it will be difficult to top this early um, splurge that they've made into the transfer market. And there's still an opportunity for it to get a bit worse from here um, and kind of tank how I think that they'll do. But right now, based off these signings, 
um, the culture that they're already building with these signs and all that good stuff. I think a fringe playoff spot is not too unrealistic for Rhode Island in 2024. So that leaves us with North Carolina. And we will go through all of their signings um, a bit more in depth because we've talked about Rhode Island, um, a lot of their signings already. So with North Carolina, we've got Paco Craig coming over from Miami FC. I like that as a, you know, experience. Because, you know, when you drop down to USL League One, you lose a lot of those players who want to stay in the USL Championship. Um, And North Carolina have had to come in and make a lot of, you know, not like, I'll call them like resurgent signs, you know, signs to get them back in the mix. Paco Craig is one of them. He's been in the league a long time. He's got experience over in England. It's the right thing to do. Um, Lamar Batista, they get from San Antonio. Um, San Antonio had a great year last year. Um, Obviously not as good as 2022, but they still had a solid year. Um, And Lamar Batista was there for all of it pretty much. Um, So I think it's smart to get a center back like Batista, who was also super defensive-minded with San Antonio, like we say time and time again, um, how they play, very defensive. He comes in, he'll know what it takes against um, these defenses. And, of course, now he will have to be um, adjusting to the Eastern Conference as opposed to the Western Conference. Um, Another center back in Bryce Washington they pick up from Loudoun United, um, 25 years old, didn't get the most time with Loudoun United. I think it's a backup option for Bryce Washington. I was rooting for the guy at Loudoun United. thought he had um, a good shot to get something going there. Not the case, but he comes to Rhode Island. It could be a better opportunity. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I think that's also smart. Justin Malu, I'm a bit iffy on. Um, I know he didn't have the greatest time in Tulsa. I know a lot of players didn't have the greatest time in Tulsa. I was high on them for a while, and it just didn't work out. This could be... A fresh start, um, and I think North Carolina are taking a bit of a gamble here. But we know he's capable. We've seen him before. We've seen him with Phoenix. We've seen him um, with, I believe he played for Phoenix. If I'm not, that is the dumbest thing I could have said. Um, I swear, I remember correctly. I don't know. So many of these players switch teams so often, it's hard to keep track. But either way, with Columbus Crew, um, he sh- had flashes with Tulsa. But again, this could be a Bryce Washington scenario where a change of senior scenery is the right way to go um, and advances his career. Because, you know, 25, you want to find a place to settle down, um, especially um, with how high the turnover rates are in the USL Championship. To establish yourself would be great, and I think this is an opportunity for Malu to do that. They also pick up Ja'Cory Hayes from San Antonio. Um, great pickup, of course, had experience in MLS. I think this is – they've absolutely knocked it out of the park here. Colin Martin, who has plenty of USL experience as well. So two great center mid pickups, um, one a bit more defensive-minded than the other. That sets them up really nicely. Then you've got Rodrigo da Costa as a cam option, and then Evan Conway as a striking option. They are really hitting it across the board here in terms of USL-level talent. And I think it will get them far. I know I was just talking about how you want to um, kind of diversify your squad with USL level players, USL League One level players, which they've already got and they're already bringing up, um, and a couple international signings. And I think they'll get there, but I think this is about as good as it could get for a team like North Carolina who are jumping up 
um, from USL League One and who want to make a splash. There will be more signings, of course, for North Carolina, um, but I think they've absolutely done well here. I do think that they will struggle a bit more than Rhode Island, and I know that might be crazy seeing as North Carolina have been around for the five or six years, you know, and Rhode Island, will this will be their first year. Um, but I think it will be a bit harder for North Carolina to readjust to the USL championship here. So for them, I think I'll say, you know, we've got playoff spots now, probably hovering around 7th or 8th. It'll be interesting to see if they stay there um, because, of course, I believe we have 12 teams in each conference now. So it would be about 7th or 8th, I think, would be um, where the playoff spots would go. Yeah, that's what I would say. So I could see, like I said, I could see Rhode Island hanging around 7th or 8th. And I can see it in North Carolina hanging around ninth or 10th in their first season back. I don't think either of them will finish bottom of the conference. Um, there are a couple, um, you know, teams I can think of that could do that right now. Uh, and I don't think it's Rhode Island or North Carolina FC for next year. So that covers that. And that is going to be it for episode 54. Uh, again, a bit of a shorter episode this time around. Um, but, you know. Christmas season. Happy holidays, everybody. This is your uh, present for the holiday season right now. There will be an episode, I can say, um, relatively quick after Christmas. So, yeah. And, of course, like I said, that will be um, more transfer-oriented. And then we will be getting back into things. And there will be a mic for episode 55. Thank you. So, Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your holidays, and I will see you guys for episode 55.